Thank you so much for joining us for Kingdom Rock Radio. On today's broadcast, Pastor Sumiko Stroud is going to teach from the book of Galatians. Now let's join her in this series entitled Journey Through the Book of Galatians. This is session number three. Chapter three, verse one. Oh, foolish Galatians, who bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? And we're going to stop there for a moment uh, as we uh, go over this first part. He says, O foolish Galatians. Right? Now, this is not the same uh, fools that the Lord tells us not to call each other fools as being like an ungodly person. No, this is, what in the world are you thinking? Now, remember, uh, we've talked about in the past, past couple of weeks, how Galatia was not just one church. It was a, a province or an area, and there were several churches in the area. And Paul had preached to them the gospel, and they had uh, received and become born again. They were saved. And then as Paul would leave from one church, a group would come by. They were called the Judaizers. They would come and they would tell people, well, you know, what Paul gave you was part of the truth, but he didn't tell you the whole truth. You also have to be circumcised. And we remember from last week what they were really saying was that now you've got to follow the law. Grace is not enough. Now that you've been born again, you need to convert to be Jews um, and because these, you know, Paul's ministry is primarily to the Gentiles, which was everybody other than the Jews. And so they would come along and say, well, you know, now that you are born again, in order for it to be complete, you have to convert to Judaism and you've got to follow the law. And so now Paul is saying, okay, he's coming back to these people, foolish Galatians, uh, who has bewitched you? All right, bewitched, we know what that means. It's like somebody has cast a spell on you. Who has clouded your thinking? Um, you know, let's look at your own experience here. He's saying, who has, you know, clouded your thinking that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. Paul's telling him, I preach to you in such a way that you could see it. You know, how, how when you're, you're sitting in church and you hear the word of God and it's like it's so clear and you can understand it. And he painted that picture for them with his words and they saw the truth and they heard the truth and they believed the truth. But then they allowed somebody to come in and cloud their thinking. And we have to be careful that we don't allow that to happen. Have you ever been in a situation where you knew something was one way and then somebody come in and after a while you're like, well, wait a minute, maybe, maybe they are true. Maybe what they say is right. Now I'm all confused. You, you get all confused and you, you, your brain gets clouded and you just don't know what to do. But we know that, that God is not the author of confusion. So when things are going on and you start to get confused and you need to step back a minute and say, wait a minute, I know he doesn't intend for me to be confused, right? And so Paul is telling okay, it was clearly uh, presented to you Christ crucified. And so, you know, how have you allowed this to come in? 
And then the next thing he tells them, you know, I just want to know. I, just, I want you all to tell me. Did you receive the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, by works uh, of the law or by the hearing of faith? You know, which one was it? He already knew the answer, of course. But he's helping them to remember what happened. If the law could do it for you, then I would not have needed to come and preach grace to you. And he's asking him, were you born again because of the works of the law? Did you receive salvation that way? Um, did you receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit by the works of the law? And that's a question we can ask ourselves when people start to, um, you know, put other restrictions and things on you when in some ministries, you know, that happens. People will start to put things. It's always good to step back and say, well, when I were saved, when I had an experience with the Lord, and when I gave him my, my heart, my life to him, was it based on the things that I was already doing? If I could earn salvation, then the cross was unnecessary, right? If we could get it through the law. And so that's what he's reminding them. You've had an experience with God. You've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Did that happen as a result of you keeping the law or was it as a result of your faith? And they have to answer honestly, it was my faith that got me there. Wasn't wasn't my works. And then he says, are you so foolish having begun in the spirit uh, that now you think you're going to be made perfect by the flesh? And we have to think about that. If it took grace to get us there, can it take law to keep us? No, it won't. And so he's reminding him of those things. Therefore, in verse 5, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you. Now, they had seen signs and corresponding signs and wonders following the preaching of the Word, as we should see. Uh, so they had seen miracles, uh, and they had experienced the Holy Spirit. And so Paul is reminding uh, them that, okay, all of that that happened, was it due to the law? Was it due to the works of the law? Or was it due to, to um, the hearing of faith? And it says, just as Abraham believed God and was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And what he's referring to, we, we did a little bit visiting last week, but you can look this up again. Genesis chapter 15. Uh, a couple of chapters earlier in Genesis, God makes a promise to Abraham he enters a covenant with him. And in Genesis 15 and verse 6, it says uh, that Abraham believed God and he was accounted uh, to righteousness. So in effect, Genesis 15 is where Abraham, well, he was Abram at the time, but we're going to call him Abraham, was Abraham was saved, right? Because he believed God. He was justified. He was counted righteous. And that's what we're all striving to, to be, is to have that the righteousness of, of Christ imputed or placed to our account. So this is when Abraham was saved. Now, interesting little tidbit, the law came 430 years later. So Abraham was, in fact, not saved by the law. Couldn't have been. Right? And so neither are we when we see that the salvation came 
as a result of the promise that God made to Abraham and the fact that he believed the promise and he was justified. Same thing with us. We enter into that covenant relationship. We believe the promise uh, that, that Christ coming and dying on the cross, that he took the place of uh, us as far as the curse from, the, from sin, that he took our place. And when we believe on him, then that righteousness is imputed to us and we are justified. We are reunited uh, with the Lord. And that we are saved, we are born again. And that has nothing to do with the law. Now, we're not throwing the law away because it has its place. But let's remember that salvation doesn't come through the law. Salvation comes through grace uh, as a result of the promise. The law is an all or nothing thing. And if you spend any time reading in the Old Testament where the law was given, you were supposed to keep the entire law. Now, we don't have all the rules and regulations right here. Well, I have it in front of me. It's in my Bible. We're not going to go through all those. But most of us are familiar with the Ten Commandments. And can you honestly say that from the time you were old enough to remember up till today that you've kept all Ten Commandments 24 hours a day, seven days a week? No. And because of that, we didn't keep the whole law, we would be condemned. So what he's reminding them is that you could pick one if you want to be justified by the law. You have to keep the entire law every waking minute of your life in order for that to work, to bring your salvation. Anybody willing to be up for that challenge? Nope. If we were honest with ourselves, we probably broke at least one of the commandments before we walked out the house this morning. If not yet, we will before we get back home. It's probably going to happen in some form or fashion. And so we can choose the law or we can choose salvation uh, through grace. Now, it says, for as many as are of the works of the law, um, are under the curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law. It's an all or nothing. So if you can't continue in all of it, then I would suggest to you that you move over to grace and be grateful for grace and stop trying to pull yourself back under the law. It's for some reason we have this need to be religious. You know, some... We have a need to have, just give me, tell me what I have to do. I know I got to do something. Tell me what I got to do. Although we have no intention of really doing it all, we just want to know. And then that way, so when we, the things that we do complete, then we can hang it over people's heads. Well, this is what I've done, and this is what I've done. And the Lord knows that we, you know, so he, so that no, because it, it, the word says, right, so that no man could boast, because that's what we would do. I'm going into heaven because I have kept all ten of the commandments from my youth. Look at me. You don't have that testimony. You probably won't make it in, but I'll try to put in a good word for you because God and I have it like that. But he knows that we would boast if it were something of our own doing and that we would, you know, tell other people, you can't do it because, you know, I've done it. So it's not about the works of the law, what we do. It's about how we believe. And that's the message of grace. And we've gone over it and over it because we talked about that in Romans as well. It's about uh, what we believe, how we believe. You can't live under both. 
And that's usually where we fall into problems, isn't it? Because we want grace. We, we, we realize that I can't do all of this to get me saved. So we want grace so that we can be saved. But for some reason, after we receive grace and receive salvation, then we think we're supposed to do something to keep it. Or we want to say you have to believe in, in Christ and do this. You know, or you have to you know, believe and do this, that, or the other. And we allow ourselves to be placed in bondage by other rules and regulations. And they probably started out uh, with the best of intentions. But we have to be careful that any time some other guideline is attached to your salvation, then that should be, you know, like a little bell going off in your head. Hey, something's not right. And so when we look at other, uh, when we did our little, you know, study, little brief study on different um, religions, different faiths, and even different Christian denominations, that's one thing you can check if somebody's coming to you and saying, well, this is the way, this is, you know, it's not, your church is not the right way, this is the way to get into heaven. Well, when they attach something to salvation other than believing on the work of the cross, that's a clue for you that there is something wrong. Because that's all that God is requiring of, of us is to believe on the finished work of the cross. So if I tell you in order to be saved and to get into heaven, you have to believe um, that Jesus came and died on the cross for the remission of our sins. And you have to collect 244 soda cans every year in order to make it in. Because we want to not pollute the earth and we got to... Yeah. Now, collecting soda cans is... Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. You can make your little pocket change, very little pocket change. But, you know, we can recycle and we can take care of our earth. And that is a commendable thing. You're a good human being for having done that. But you're not any more saved than the person next to you that only collected 150 soda cans. So anytime something is connected to your salvation, other than believing on the work of the cross, you need to stop and think a minute and say, oh, foolish, whatever your name is, <laughs> who has bewitched you? Because you've been bewitched, right? You've been, um, you know, somebody has come in and clouded your thinking. And we have to be careful about that because it's very, now, you know, we, we use, you know, comical examples, but it is very easy for it to happen, for somebody to come in, and especially if you don't, that's why it's so important for us to read the Bible for ourselves and pray for understanding when we do. Because if you don't, and you, the full extent of your Bible learning is what someone else has told you, then it is very easy for people to slip things in. And they may not be doing it out of spite, they may not fully understand a passage that they're reading, and they may attribute it to being one thing, and then they've passed that false information on to you, and because you didn't check for yourself, you get caught up in it. So it's not necessarily that anything has been done for your harm, but that is why it's important to have your own relationship um, with Jesus Christ and to pray. And, you know, there, there's going to be passages. Sometimes I'll read something in the Bible and I think, Lord, I just, I don't understand. I just, I'm sorry. I don't know what you're saying. What, what you're saying, Lord? And it's okay to ask him. 
And it's okay to use resources uh, to get an understanding. But we have to even be careful with those because I've used some commentaries and, I've, and you know, they've said, well, this is what this means. I'm thinking, I don't think that's right. That doesn't sit well with me. And that's okay because they are people too, right? And they could have gotten an understanding wrong and they may have gone back and corrected it. But, you know, once the book is published and it's out there, it's out there. I don't know how, what kind of change of mind they had later, uh, but we still have to be careful uh, because we don't want to fall into uh, this category that was the, the situation that was happening with the church people. They had experienced God. They had become born again. They had seen miracle signs and wonders. And, you know, even he says, you know, in verse 4, have you suffered so many things in vain? A lot of these people had suffered uh, persecution. They'd lost families. They'd lost homes. They'd lost employment because they were Christians. They had been uh, persecuted and they had suffered. And he's saying, look, if you have to go under the law, then all of this that you have lost for the sake of the gospel was in vain. If you have given up all, and, and we don't, we, there are, you know, in this country, we may not always see um, persecution the way, you know, it's in some other places. But there are plenty of people. Have you, you know, ever known anybody where you've got a married couple and one of them gets saved before the other? That person has to suffer some persecution, don't they? Because sometimes their spouse is like, I don't want anything to do with that. I'm not going. I don't want you to go. Uh, or maybe sometimes children. Children in the household may get saved before their parents. And some parents are like, look, you either the church goes or you go. You go down there and tell them you're living with them because you're not welcome back in here. That's persecution. And so he says to have gone through all of that, to be born again, and then to bring yourself back into bondage, well, what was it all for? Why do it? If your works and believing in the law, because most people don't object to you being a good person. And if we could keep all Ten Commandments, you'd be a good person. So you're not going to suffer a lot of persecution for saying, you know, I'm not going to kill anybody, I'm not going to lie. Most people be like, well, that's good. I'm hoping, you know, hoping you wasn't going to, you know, put us out in our sleep. But it was when you decide to latch on to grace and to that forming a relationship, not just the rules, but forming a relationship, that's usually where we tend to fall into trouble, right? People, can, you can carry a Bible around and you can do good, but when you start trying to live a life pleasing to Jesus Christ and, and consulting him in your actions, that's when those around you get a little stirred and say, well, now what's, we've been living like this all this time, so now what's so different? That's when we fall into problems. When you want to get up early in the morning and pray. When you want to go to church on Sundays instead of sleeping in. You know, forming that relationship. That's where the problems come in. All right, so he's telling them, if you were just going to go back under bondage, then why lose everything that you've lost? Uh, for the sake of the gospel, if you're just going to pull back and go uh, unto the law. Okay, so um, he tells us as we go on, and you know he's talking about Abraham and about the covenant, about the seed, uh, and how you know Christ has redeemed us uh, from the curse of the law. Uh, and he says at one point that the law is temporary. 
and that Christ redeemed us from that. Now, for a lot of church people, those is fighting words. Because what am I telling you? Am I saying you don't have to follow the Ten Commandments? Am I saying you don't have to follow the law to be saved? Yeah, I am. That's what that says. It's saying the law was temporary because what did the law do? Remember how we said it was a mirror? The law showed us showed us what that we needed a Messiah. We needed a Savior, right? That we couldn't do it on our own. The law is so you can try to do it on your own. And it showed us that we can't, that we needed a Savior. When Jesus came, he was that Savior, was that Messiah. So he redeemed us from this. He saved us from having to try to do it on our own. He fulfilled uh, the law. So that, no, you, because doing this is not going to get me saved. We can't attach anything to our salvation. It is my belief, <clears throat> excuse me, in Jesus Christ and him crucified that, gets, that brings me to salvation. So am I saying that, no, you don't have to follow the law in order to be saved because that's correct. But what happens when I am saved? I'm in a, a love relationship. So then I do these things not because I have to, but because I want to. Because I want to draw closer to him. I want to live a life that's pleasing to him. So then I don't have to flip through the rule book and say, okay, wait, hmm. Okay, it says I can't lie. Exactly what does that mean? If I tell part of the truth, because you see how you get into legalism when you're just trying to follow the law. You said, well, I, you know, tell part of the truth. Maybe, I, you know, I, I did a little white lie. I wasn't trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I think I'm okay. I don't think I actually lied is what they were talking about, you know, intending to cause something. It was for something good and not something bad. And we get all caught up in that kind of thing when we're over. But if I'm ruled by my love relationship, knowing that it is grace that brought my salvation, and I am grateful to my Savior, then... I don't have to sit there and pick about, you know, whether what I said was a lie or not a lie. If it wasn't the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God, it was a lie. And so you told it. And so now repent, Lord, I'm sorry, because I realize that that comes against our relationship. Not that it breaks a rule, but that it hinders our relationship. And I don't want any icky, you know, between us. You know, when you're in a relationship with somebody and you do something that you know will hurt their feelings and you get that uncomfortable, you know, they're icky. No other way to describe it. When, when things are just not quite right. You don't like, I know I don't like to have that in my relationship where something is just not quite right, where I've done something I shouldn't have done or said something I shouldn't have said. And you do all you can to try to, you know, smooth it over. You want things to be well. You want them to flow well. You want to be able to communicate openly and freely with one another. That's how we should be with our relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to be able to communicate openly and freely with him. And you know what? If I have all of this broken stuff in my life, I can't, if I'm sneaking out, you know, hurting people, if I'm taking stuff that doesn't belong to me, if I am jealous or coveting other people's things, then I'm not having that free-flowing relationship with him. And it's not about me trying to keep the rules. 
It's about me nurturing my relationship. And that's what salvation comes. So you don't, so I don't have to stand up here afraid to tell you in order to be saved, no, you don't have to keep all ten commandments. Oh God, everybody's going to run out and sin. Because you know what? If you were going to, if it was in your heart to go out and do it, then you were going to do it anyway. And you were not waiting for my permission because I'm not giving you permission to go out and live any kind of way. I'm giving you permission to fall in love with Jesus. And once we fall in love with him, you don't have to, nobody has to look around, look over your shoulder, right? I don't have to follow Sister Norma around and see what she's going to do today because I know that Sister Norma wants to please the Lord. And if she's pleasing him, if what she does is enough for him, who am I to say is not enough for me? Because if she falls short, he knows where she is. And when she gets down on her knees to pray, she will know what she needs done, right? You, it comes, even if you, it, very clearly to the forefront, anything that you've done that was hazardous to that relationship, as soon as you close your eyes to pray, there it is, front and center. And you're like, oh, don't. I am so sorry, Lord. And it means more then, right? Because then you are sincerely repentant. Rather than, you know, flipping through the book, there was one commentator I was listening to, and he was talking to um, a Jewish fella, and they were saying, yeah, yeah, we're keepers of the law. Uh, But we said they are keepers of the law, but not doers of the law. And he was like, what? And he said, well, technically, on the Sabbath day, you're supposed to milk the cows because it would make them uncomfortable. But you're not supposed to sell the milk because that would be working to earn profit on the Sabbath. And you're not supposed to do that. So the scripture says, you milk the cow, but let the milk run off on the rocks. Uh, just let it go. So he says, well, what we do is we get a bucket, we fill it full of rocks, and we let the milk run over the rocks into the bucket, and we sell the milk. <laughs> we still sell the milk anyway. That's a keeper of the law, right? Technically, they did what was right, but not doers of the law. So when you get into rules and regulations, that's the kind of stuff you get into. You try, you start looking at semantics and you try to figure, what can I do that's as close to gratifying my flesh, but still technically doing what the word says do? That's the law. That's rules. That's regulations. That's not relationship. Relationship says, hey, I know that you wanted me to keep this day holy to remember you and to reflect on you. I'm going to do that because I love you, right? So that is why it's so much more important for us. The law has not been done away with, but it was temporary to show us that we needed to be saved, that we could not do it on our own. Remember, we've said time and time before, the law is a mirror. It showed me me. It showed me all the icky that was in me. And none of us, I hope this morning, when you got up to wash your face, when you looked in the mirror and saw all the crust around your eyes and all the stuff, did you rub it off on the mirror? Did you rub your face on the mirror? Until it, no, the mirror showed you what you needed to do. And then you turned from the mirror to get the necessary supplies and then look back to do what, what needed to be done. The law was a schoolmaster for us. It showed us our shortcomings, what needed to be, that we needed, so that when our Messiah came, we would be ready to receive him because we would know we needed him. 
And so having done that and having walked in grace and received salvation, let's not turn back and say, okay, now that I see and now that the opportunity is here to be fulfilled, uh, let's not walk back under the law and be in bondage. Let's walk forth in our love relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's go forth living a life to please him, knowing that I, if I am loving him and doing what he wants me to do, all of this is going to be covered. It's going to be taken care of. So you don't have to print out the law and walk around with it in your pocket and think, okay, let me make sure I covered that one. I covered that. Because remember, the law was an all or nothing thing, and there was more to it than the Ten Commandments that everybody likes to print out and post in their yard. There was a lot more to it. Things you couldn't eat, places you couldn't go, things you couldn't do, ways that you had to prepare certain things. You know, and part of it was like, okay, you, you kept the Sabbath holy, and fine if you want to keep Saturdays, because the Sabbath day was Saturday. If you want to keep it holy and you stay home and you reflect on the goodness of the Lord. But you know what was also required? Is you had to make so many trips to Jerusalem. How many of y'all ever been? And so there we are right there already knocked out of the game because we hadn't been. Some of us hadn't been out of the United States. Well, some of y'all, I've been out of the United States. But some people hadn't been and have no intention of going. Why? Because I know what goes on over here. I don't know what goes. You know, you read about people, missionaries, getting kidnapped and all this kind of stuff as hostages. And some of us are like, I'm going to stay somewhere where I, a phone call away where somebody can get to me if I need some help. So if we can't keep the whole law, which we can't, you know, don't try to bring yourself back under this bondage. So that's what he's telling don't be foolish. Don't allow yourself to be bewitched. Somebody to come in and cloud your thinking. Remember the experience that you had with God. Remember your salvation. Remember your infilling of the Holy Spirit. Remember the signs and wonders that followed uh, the preaching of the gospel. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 22, and we're going to close with this. Uh, 36 says, Master, which is the great, co- great commandment in the law? They're talking about the uh, Old Testament, the law. Uh, because remember when Jesus was here, they didn't have the Bible. We know that, right? They didn't have the New Testament because it was currently being, you know, in, it was currently being carried out. So he didn't, he couldn't flip to the book of Matthew or flip to Galatians. It weren't, weren't anything yet. So they had the Old Testament, the law and the, the words of the prophets. And so they're asking him, uh, what is the greatest commandment, the great commandment of the law? And Jesus said to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If we accomplish those two things, if we love the Lord with all our heart, soul, and mind, we're not going to do anything that's not pleasing to him. And if we love our neighbors as ourselves, we're not going to do anything that's harmful to them. I don't go around telling lies on me. I don't go around stealing from me. right? I wouldn't try to kill me. So I'm not going to do that to my neighbor. I'm not going to dishonor my God because I love him with all that I am. And I love my neighbors. So all of that is included. So we're not throwing the law away, but we're fulfilling it. 
So don't get caught up in the rules and regulations. Focus instead on the relationship. All right. So that you don't have to look in the mirror one day and say, Oh, foolish Smiko, who has bewitched you? How did you get carried away into all of this? Remember whereby you were saved. All right. Thank you guys so much for being part of our Sunday school. We're going to pick up next week with chapter four. And uh, we'll still be talking more about grace and about adoption and being able to call uh, God Abba Father, what that means to us and what that meant then. So just continue reading uh, chapter four and then after that, uh, five and six, and we'll be finished in a couple of weeks. Again, thank you so much for your participation. You are dismissed. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more. Right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.